Hey, New City. This is Nate Claiborne, and we're doing another quick review and preview of our Romans Bible study, which is Sunday mornings at 8.30. This past week, we started Romans chapter 2, and we got up through the first 16 verses. And we noticed there that uh, Paul, while talking generally through chapter 1, addressing all of the Roman Christians that he's writing to and um, not really talking to anyone in particular, all of a sudden starts talking to a hypothetical individual at the beginning of chapter 2. And we'll see this week as we move into verse 17 and following uh, that he's addressing a hypothetical Jewish person who might be objecting or looking on at some of the things Paul is saying and agreeing, but thinking they don't apply uh, to to them. Um, so one of the examples that we used is a, for a, a typical Jewish uh, person at this time, they would have read everything or heard everything that Paul was saying in Romans 1 and almost been cheering it on, uh, telling him to preach as he talks about all the things that are wrong with Gentiles. And Paul doesn't necessarily limit what he's saying in Romans chapter 1 to the Gentile world versus the Jewish world. Um, but he's talking about things that Jewish people at the time would have considered sort of quintessential Gentile sins. So in chapter two, he he sort of turns the tables and says, oh, by the way, uh, you're not off the hook either. Uh, you condemn others for doing these things, but you're just as guilty. And that sort of takes a new direction in his argument where he's going to be addressing the Jewish people in particular. Um, And he talks about how um, God is impartial and he's not going to give them special treatment just because they're Jewish and just because they have the law, because they don't actually practice and follow the law perfectly. And so in verse 17, which is where we start this coming week, uh, let me go ahead and read our passage for this upcoming week. So I'm starting in Romans chapter 2, verse 17. Paul says, But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For, as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? 
By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I, I speak in a human way. By no means. For then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come, as some people slanderously charge us with saying? Their condemnation is just. Now, I ended there in chapter 3, verse 8. That's where our text for this week is going to stop, although Paul continues on, uh, really sort of finishes his uh, laying out of his argument of uh, how all people are unrighteous, uh, ends around verse 20. So we're almost there, but this week in particular, we're going to continue our discussion of the law, something we talked about this past Sunday, and we didn't, uh, It's I kind of intended it to be somewhat of a cliffhanger. The, the concept of law and the language of law that Paul uses here in Romans, we're going to spend a lot of time wrestling with and developing and seeing how uh, Christians today relate to the law. And we mean that as we discussed this past Sunday, what it means as Christians that we relate to the law of Moses in particular. Uh, but we broadened the discussion to even gesture towards some things that are going to be coming up in Romans about how Christians uh, relate to the commands of God um, and what our obedience looks like if we're also saved by grace. So there's a sense in if we that if we are saved by grace and God loves us unconditionally, what place does obedience have in the Christian life? And how should Christians regard the law uh, in the Old Testament or even the commands in the New Testament as we try to walk by faith today? So we didn't we we discussed a lot of those questions in detail, but we left some things unanswered and some things unfinished. Uh, this coming week, just to kind of give you a preview, there's at least two things that um, I'd like you to be prepared for if you're planning to come on Sunday. One is that we're going to talk, in, not in detail, but I guess in detail, <laughs> about circumcision. This is a big thing in um, the end of chapter two from 25 to 29, but it's a concept and a ritual that's going to come up again in chapter three, again in chapter four. So we're going to spend some time talking about what it signified in the Old Testament um, and even kind of digging into how it can be that circumcision is a matter of the heart when um, circumcision is generally considered to be a matter of the flesh and in the most physical sense possible. So we're going to spend some time there. And the other thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the two places, one uh, one in more detail than the other, uh, where Paul says, as it is written. So in chapter 2, verse 24, Paul says, For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And then again in chapter 3, verse 4, he says, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. So in these two spots, uh, Paul is self-consciously quoting from the Old Testament. And in the one that I just read in chapter 3, verse 4, uh, where scholars, commentators are, are pretty certain, pretty, there's not 
not a lot of things that are unanimous, but pretty close to this, uh, that Paul is citing from Psalm 51. And so what might be useful for you um, to prepare for this week is to go read Psalm 51. And we're actually going to have to do two steps because we're going to talk about what's going on in Psalm 51, but that is actually going to take us into the historical books for just a brief detour uh, to talk about the story that is behind Psalm 51. So Psalm 51 is a Psalm of David, and it relates to a particular moment in David's life. Some of you may know what it is right off the bat. I'm not going to actually say it here because I want you to go look it up, but we will talk about Uh, what's going on in the historical books, then what David is saying in Psalm 51, and then we'll talk about how Paul is using what David is saying in Romans chapter 3. And we'll do the same thing for um, Romans 2.24, although we won't go into as much detail. Um, The citation there is most likely Isaiah 52.5. So going back and looking at Isaiah 52 may give a good feel for what is going on in Isaiah that Paul might be drawing on in what he's saying in Romans. So those are the the big things that we're going to most likely spend our time doing on Sunday. We're going to talk about circumcision, and we're going to talk about Paul's explicit quotations of the Old Testament. And in many ways, this is actually continuing a theme from last week, where we really talked about how, as Christians making sense of the New Testament, we really do need the Old Testament and an understanding of the storyline of the Old Testament, but even some of the details in the Old Testament to really get what New Testament authors like Paul are doing. Um, because they're steeped in the Old Testament themselves, and they're using what they read and what they see in the Old Testament that points to Christ ultimately to then instruct Christians today. And in Paul's case, instruct Christians at his time of writing that we're then reading today and appropriating. And so even though it is a Romans Bible study, we're going to find ourselves um, in the Old Testament for a good bit this coming Sunday. So I hope that you will join us Sunday at 8.30. Uh, we, again, we have coffee and donuts that'll help you wake up, help you think critically. We'll do a little bit of overview on the front end. I'll ask some questions. You'll ask some questions, and we'll try to tie things up before heading in to hear this same text preached shortly after. We hope to see you there. 